you have your Bibles today, I want to speak a message entitled, Concerned, Not Bewildered. Concerned, Not Bewildered. And turn over to Matthew 6, 34-35. Matthew 6, 34-35. I give you a moment to get your Bibles open, and I want you to follow along with me, because this message is very important for the church. This message is dealing with the concern for the church and for the harvest and for the lost and for the presence of God. And we're just so thankful today that God has honored me to be able to speak this message to you. Uh, it's uh, a message that is very, very intent on waking up people to understand how concerned we need to be today in the hour that we're living in for the lost. Starting with verse 34 in Matthew 6. By the time Jesus came ashore, a massive crowd was waiting. At the sight of them, his heart was filled with compassion because they seemed like wandering sheep who had no shepherd. So he taught them many things. Late that afternoon, his disciples said, it's getting really late and we're here in this remote place with nothing to eat. You know, it's amazing to me that uh, we today replicating Jesus' love and, and reciting his word, we miss something that's very important, and that is the concern for the lost, how we actually look at things and how we look by the lost and we look to appropriate things for ourselves instead of appropriating the love of Jesus Christ and placing it into the heart of a lost person, a lost generation. And so I, I believe with all my heart that the atmosphere of the harvest and concern for the lost is expressed by compassion. And that's what drew the picture here right now, the sheep and the shepherd. When Jesus saw and looked at that large crowd of people, he was moved with compassion. And we also need to be moved with compassion. Not that going to church is, is not rote. It's not something that should be habitual. It should be something that's very joyful and happy. And being online, even if you cannot socially be together right now, it should be joyful and happy. Something that we should be acknowledging our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and thanking him for the opportunity that he gives us every day to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may say, well, pastor, you're, you preach and you teach and you pray every night and you're always sharing, but I don't have that opportunity. Yes, you do. We all have opportunity every day to share the word of God to someone. You don't have to be in their presence. You can call them on the phone. You can FaceTime them. You can do a Zoom conference. You can Zoom people. You can be right there on your computer, on the internet, on your iPad Pro, on any peripheral that you may have, and you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you can ask people to receive Jesus every day. And it's, you know, it's, it's so important to look at something here before I move forward. You know, when they said that it's late in the day, and, you know, it's time we don't have anything to eat, Jesus didn't say, wow, you're right, we better get out of here and find some place to go have dinner or something. He literally said, what do you have? He turned it on them to understand that 
they had something they didn't realize. And they said, well, we just have five fishes and a couple of loaves. And he said, have the people sit down. And they sat them down in groups of 50 and more. And literally, there was 5,000 people that day and they were all fed. You see, with what little we have, we can do much when God blesses it. With what little you think that you have, or if you don't think you have enough to do anything, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you have a commitment to Jesus Christ, if you have a concern for the lost, you have enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can bring them the spiritual food of God's love and his saving grace and his mercy to bring salvation to them. That's what's so important. We always think we need more to do more. We only need one thing, and that is a concern to bring the lost to Jesus Christ. We have to understand that the, uh, the apostles were there, and the, you know, and they were there with Jesus. They saw so many miracles, but yet they still had a hard time grasping these very important basic thoughts and actions. We don't need a lot. He'll take care of it. If we ask him, he will provide for our need. He will lead us down the paths of righteousness. He'll lead us by the still waters. He'll make us lie down in green pastures. He'll bring us through the... Uh, valley of the shadow of death. His rod and his staff will comfort us. He'll prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemy. He'll anoint our head with oil. Our cup overflows. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. That's so beautiful. He restores our soul. He's a marvelous, true Savior. And what we have today is that opportunity every moment of every day to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the first thing I'd like to say to you today that we need to be confirmed in our spirit by the presence of the Holy Spirit and then be concerned for the loss. In, in Matthew 18, 11 through 14, it tells the story of the lost sheep. He leaves the 99 to go get the lost sheep. He goes and finds that sheep and brings that sheep back, carrying it to bring it back to the fold and to be, make it part of the fold. He had deep concern for the one. He left the 99 to go get the one. It's so important that we understand that this is a concern that God has for his church right now. Are we concerned for the lost? Are we as concerned as the story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son? The father went every day and stood on that porch and looked for his boy to come back home. I know I'm putting it in a simple way, but he looked every day. And when he saw his son, after his son realized where he was and he needed to come back, he said, if I only become a servant in my father's house, it'll be better where I am now. You see, the son represents the world that got away from God and the world finds itself dingy, dirty, without, convicted of sin, no joy, lack of a future, no eternal life, 
no promise of heaven and just a road that is crooked and narrow and twisted and valleys so deep and oceans so wide and rivers rushing so quickly that they're stalemated, they're paralyzed, they're just living life every day thinking how can it ever get better. Let me tell you how it gets better. It gets better when you get Jesus in your heart. It gets better when you surrender your, Lord, your heart to the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is so important that we grasp the ability that the father saw his son. His son made a commitment to come back home, and he wasn't coming back home to an empty, unloving house. He was coming back home just to be a servant, but his father saw him, and he ran out, kissed him, put a cloak on him put shoes on his feet, a ring on his finger, and brought home, and they celebrated. He said, my son was lost, but now he is found. We need church. We need to have a concern for the lost, for our individual friends, for the lost in our family, for the lost of our neighbors around us, we need to be concerned as Jesus was concerned when he looked at that large multitude there and had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. The second thing we need to be concerned about is equal to, and it combines totally, the harvest. There is a harvest out there that we go by every day. Like I said, Kathy and I drove up to San Francisco yesterday. We drove Traffic was so thick. We took the back ways to get there and traffic was so thick. When we left San Francisco, traffic was so thick. We were going 20 miles an hour down Highway 1. It was so thick. People were out. We took pictures of the beach. People are all over the beach. People are not really concerned about being socially separated right now, and they should be. That we saw so much. The harvest was out there. It's plenty. It's, it's a multitude of people and our hearts were moved by the sight of the lost. Not everybody's out there that's lost that we see. We're not judging every individual when we look at them and say, oh, they're lost. I'm saying that there is a harvest out there that needs to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to go and we need to pray that the Lord of the harvest sends laborers into that harvest. It is time to finish this go, this finish that we have, the mission of the church. We need to be out there winning the harvest, telling people about Jesus Christ. I spent my whole walk with God for the last 44 years winning souls for the kingdom of God. I hunger like I would for food. I thirst like I would for water to see one soul come into the kingdom of God. That's how concerned I am. I have been with waiters in, in restaurants and I, they've knelt down and they've received the Lord Jesus Christ. I've gone back to restaurants a year later and the same waiter said, thank you, pastor. You may not remember me, but I now attend the church here in this city. Thank you for bringing me to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have 
spoken out into the streets in Santa Cruz and in San Francisco and Chicago. We have in, in Oakland, we have spoken out into the streets, into the highways, into the byways, and spoke to people, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember being in a park in Oakland, California, where it was something that people were there and gang members and prostitutes were all over the park. And uh, one of the guys said, Pastor, don't, we had a whole music group up there. They said, Pastor, don't preach. There's too many gang members here. You may get them uptight. There's prostitutes here. There may be something going on that we don't see. Don't preach the gospel. Just get up and greet people and we'll continue. And I said, I didn't come here to play games. I didn't come here to act like Jesus doesn't exist. I got up and preached the gospel to that park. And lo and behold, when I made the altar call, the gang members and the prostitutes came up and gave their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because of a concern for the harvest. Oh, church, we need to be concerned for the lost, for our families, for our neighbors, for those we come in contact with every day. But we need to be concerned for the harvest worldwide. Not only in California, not only in Nevada, not only in our own local town, but in the inner cities and, and, and across this nation and throughout the world. I'm praying for one million souls to be saved in the San Francisco Bay Area right now. I am praying that with fervency. For, for the Bible declares the fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. And I believe that we pray. And I believe when we seek God, we need to cry out, weeping, crying out that we would also see the great harvest that has been promised. We know it's there. We have to be concerned. The Lord has spoken to my heart. The church needs to be concerned, not just a church that says they are. They need to act and do the things that concern people do. Just like the father looking out from that porch, he was concerned. He had a hope. He had a prayer that one day his son would come back home. I believe right now that if I can say it in a way to describe, I believe Jesus looks across heaven and looks on this earth and just hoping and praying for someone to come back home. So a whole harvest, a whole world to come to the King of Kings and the Lord of glory. Secondly and thirdly now, we need to be concerned for the presence of God. David said, cast me not away, but restore in me a right and clean spirit. In other words, don't remove me from your presence, God. I need your presence. I need your anointing. I need to know you're there with me. I need to sense the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within my body, within my heart, within my mind. Your word refreshing me your word washing my mind and renewing it because of who you are your word declaring in my spirit every day your presence and your power and your love i wonder sometimes if our programs have replaced the presence of god in church how we're set up. Is everything perfect? Does it look right? Is the soundtrack good? Do we cut out this or do we cut out this? How do we shorten our service? How do we make it more convenient for people? We must never take programs and put them up above God. We must always invite the presence of God into our church. And we need to know that the presence of God is there because his presence is what makes a difference. Have we replaced uh, anointing with ability 
we replaced anointing with the ability because someone can speak or orate the word. Maybe someone can sing and they have such a beautiful voice, but there's no anointing. Have we just hired people in to come in because they're really good at what they do? We must understand we cannot replace the anointing of God. We cannot replace the presence of God. We need the presence of God. We need the anointing of God in the church. We must have that going in our life right now. We must be concerned for the presence of God in our life, in our hearts, in our churches. Have we replaced power by performance? Have we replaced power of the Holy Ghost by performance. Let me say something to you. We need to pray for at least an hour before we start church. We need pastors. You need to seek God every day. And you need to pray for an hour or more before you enter into the platform to bring the word of God. And let me say this to everyone that's listening. Don't ever be afraid to speak what God wants you to speak. He's called me to preach this message today with great power, with great desire, and with great concern because the Father told me this Sunday is a Sunday that I must preach about His concern for His church on this earth. We need to never replace His presence with programs, His anointing with abilities. His power with performance. We have to have a concern for the church. Where our churches are today. Who we are. What our identity is. No, we are the sons and daughters of God. We are the anointed of God. We are God's own possession. But we have to realize something. Do we find ourselves in a Laodicea type of us artwork right now? in a placement of an atmosphere. We're neither hot nor cold. We're just doing our thing. Let me tell you something. We need to be on fire for God in the day that we're living in with all that's going on around us and what we've been captured in for the last hundred days. And then all of a sudden with all that that just happened in the protests and everything and, and the sin of racism is brought forth and all this going on, we need to see where we are at. We need to be on fire for God. We need to be on fire for the harvest. We need to be on fire for the lost. We need to be on fire that God God's presence is always in our midst. We need to portray the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory. We need to be concerned for where the church is right now. And we need not to be hot or cold. We need to be God's chosen people. He said, I wish you were either hot or cold. But I want to tell you right now, I think we need to be so on fire for God that we radiate. We show forth a deep concern. We bring the power and the anointing of God wherever we go. And we invite people to come to the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory. My Lord and my God, we need to understand there's somebody out there that needs Jesus. Somebody out there that is praying now, even as I am preaching, wondering where I can find a church, where I can find someone that can tell me about this Savior that died at Calvary's cross over 2,000 years ago and literally 
suffered a death that no man could have ever gone through, a beating and a, and a humility that no man would have ever chosen to go through. But he, on his own accord, said, I will do this. I will save all humanity. I will die for their sins. And he rose on the third day. And he came out in the bodily resurrection alive forevermore. And he said that we need to go into this harvest. And we need to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, everybody, let's go and finish this thing for Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. We need to have this concern. We need to have this deep within our spirit, not bewildered, confused, or what am I supposed to do? We are to be concerned, carrying around the weight of bringing Jesus Christ's gospel, the saving grace and the mercy of his doings into the life of people that are in darkness without light. We need not to be just restored, but renewed into the image of his love and power. Let me say that to you again. We need not to be just restored and renewed, but we need into the image of his love and power. We need to be the image and love of his power on this earth. You see, our spiritual persona should imitate God. We shouldn't be dressed the same old way spiritually like we've always been, you know, going to church, having a good time, going out to lunch, going home, and then wondering how come this and why that and who was there and how they looked. We need to imitate the persona that is God. Imitate God. We need to care for people. What is God? God is love. We love God because he first loved us. God sent his only begotten son because he so loved the world. We need to imitate God's love. It's so clear to see. It's so beautiful to know. It's a revelation that needs never to be taken out of our heart, but to be nurtured and developed in our heart every day. Our spiritual appearance should reflect his assurance, his word. Our spiritual appearance we should know the word. We should live the word. We should speak the word. We should pray the word. We should live out the word of God in a society that doesn't know what the word is. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. We should imitate God and we should literally have an appearance that reflects his assurance in our life. His word in our life. His promises in our life. Him in our life. And we should literally live godly in a godless world. We shouldn't act like we're godless when we're out of church. We shouldn't be in our homes acting like we're godless. We shouldn't be anywhere acting like we're godless. Wherever we go, we should be acting like God's children, reflecting our Father who is our Father, our parent. Reflecting his love, reflecting his desire, sharing his unmerited favor to people and grace and telling people there is a king that desires that you praise him and worship him. And in that he is giving you eternal salvation forever and ever. And by the way, we were born again for one purpose. And that is to worship the king of kings and the Lord of glory forever 
and ever and ever. For eternity we will praise him. And I'll say this to you. I practice that here on this earth right now by praising him, worshiping him, seeking him. The reason I pray every day and every night, the reason I have a prayer meeting is that we will get together and worship him, pray and seek him, find him and let him know how much we love him. Oh, praise him. Somebody clap your hands. Somebody shout with me. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. I am concerned. You see, we're living in a world of great change, so we feel we need to change with the world. We need to do things as the world. We need to get like the world so we can help the world. No, we live in this world, but we are not of this world. The Bible declares in Malachi 3 and 6, I am God and I change not. He's the same in, in Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The same. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they never change. We change like the wind sometimes to figure out a new way to win the lost. Let me tell you the best way to win the lost. Tell them about Jesus. Share the love of God. Put a smile on your face and tell them there's a hope that goes beyond any hope that they have. There's a faith that sees things clearly as God sees them. There is, there is a love that covers the multitude of sin. There is a love called the agape love that comes from God that overshadows our filial love, our bruised love, our painful love, our, our divided love, and it brings God's love, and we love all people. We care for everybody because they're God's creation. We love people and we don't need to change. We need to become more like him every day. His image. We need to reflect the image of God. Our, I, I think we, we have to think for a moment that God actually revives us. He brings us to a youthfulness and strengthens us as soaring eagles. He supercharges our life, Psalm 103 and 5. He supercharges our life, found in the, the Passion Translation. You satisfy my every desire with good things. You've supercharged my life so that I shall soar again and like flying eagle in the sky. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. Don't think because you've gotten a little older that you can you don't have to do anything or you're just too tired to get through. No, just seek the face of God. I'm 70 years old and I believe I'm preaching like I'm 19 right now. I believe that God Almighty is the King of kings and the Lord of glory and he will never, ever let us down. We have inspiration to be concerned for the lost to be concerned for the harvest, to be concerned for the presence of God. We have inspiration in our life to be concerned for the church. That inspiration is his presence in us. That inspiration is his dynamic directives in our life. He tells us and commands us. And by the way, his commandments are not burdensome. They're a joy. Amen. They're a joy to follow after what God says. It's a beauty of our relationship with him. He says to do something and we say, I will praise God. Hallelujah to the lamb. 
Hallelujah to the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory. Yes, we go through things. Sometimes things knock at our door, come in the mail. Things happen in our life. And it seems that our life all of a sudden paralyzes. Our steps are halted. The weight becomes so hard. We become to think, oh my gosh, how, what, what am I going to do? We're perplexed. We're pressed in, but we're not confused. No, we're not crushed. We're going to stand in the very presence of his love, in the presence of his mercy. And when we compare the glory that's ahead of us to what we're going through now, the glory gives so much to us that what we're going through now doesn't really press us down because we have a hope that's ahead of us that's very powerful. Read 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18 and understand that what we see now in our presence may be pressing and what may be difficult and our difficult problems that are upon us right now, even by being sheltered in place and not being able to be in church and, and dealing with the things that we are faced with that are convicting us and we're repenting of, such as racism. We need to understand that all this is now, but what our focus should be on is not the temporary, but unseen, the realm of the eternal. Praise God. We should be looking not at the temporary. We should be looking to the eternal, to the God of our salvation. He must and he will because of who he is. He will deliver us and he will take us home and we will join together in heaven and worship and praise in the kingdom of God. But as we wait upon that, we need to be concerned for the lost, for the harvest, for the presence of God in our life. And for the church, we must realize that we cannot afford to be broken and unprotected. We need to be fixed, renewed, strengthened, and we are protected. The shield of God is about us. He's a bulwark that never fails. His name is a high tower whereby we can run to it and find safety. The angel of the Lord encampeth around us and deliver us out of all our troubles. God's word surrounds us and covers us. God's word is there. He is a lifter of our head. He is the king of kings and the Lord of glory. He never, ever stops thinking about you. The Bible says that Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father, able to save all those who come to God through him. And he is forever interceding for us. Oh, praise God, would you just lift your hands where you're at right now and say, Father, thank you, rebirthing me, renewing me, a concern for the lost, a concern for the harvest, a concern for your presence in my life and in the church, and concern right now, Father God, concern for the church in Jesus' name. We must weep. Hear me now, I'm closing. I'm bringing this to a place where I need to stop now because the Spirit of the Lord is, is leading me there. We must, we must weep. Like Nehemiah wept over Jerusalem. 
from when he heard that the gates were torn down and the walls were broken apart. He wept. And he went to the king and the king said, go. That's another sermon and another day and I pray I'll bring it soon. But we need to weep as he weeps over what we see now with the lack of concern. And we need to go to our king, King Jesus, and he will say to us, go. Fix this by showing concern in my love and my delivering power. Don't be confused. Don't be bewildered. For I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. The church has a commission. The commission is to go out there and finish this thing. I'm putting that simply on that. Finish this thing. We need to win the lost and we need to understand. We need to weep as Jesus wept over Jerusalem. When he saw the city from up high, he looked and he wept because he tried to gather them in like a hen would gather the chicks, but they killed the prophets and they would not accept. He wept. He wept. What has happened to the weeping of the church? The crying at the altars. The crying in a prayer closet. Weeping over what is broken and fallen apart and weeping over a city that you're pastoring in. An, an area that you're pastoring in. Weeping over the inner city for the youth that are in the inner city with no hope and no food and no future. Into the hamlets, into the counties, into the townships. We need to be weeping over our state over our nation for its condition right now, for the division. We need to be weeping over the sin of racism that we've shown by the Holy Spirit that there is a problem in the church and in our nation and worldwide. We need to be weeping as Jesus wept over Lazarus. He wept because his friend had died. But let me share something with you right now. He's weeping over the church. But I believe just like Lazarus, I'm not saying we're dead in a tomb. But I'm saying that we need to be restored into the image of him. We need to be restored into who he said and who we believe and what we are. His children, his called, his anointed ones. Empowered by his spirit, led by his word, delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the confession of our mouth, we have stated what we believe. I believe like he said that day, I believe he'll call the church to come forth and we're going to come out of this stalemate in such power, in such anointing, that this great awakening that we've been praying for, the great awakening that has been prophesied in those that know the Holy Ghost and hear the voice of the Lord and declare the word of the Lord have known already that this great awakening is right at the door. He is about to call us forth in the name of Jesus Christ. 
in his powerful name, by his powerful word, by his powerful presence. Let's bring this harvest in. Send me, send me, say that to yourself. Send me, Lord Jesus, that I can bring in this harvest that you so love and you have died for and rose for and now intercede for at the right hand of the Father. We look forward to his coming. The deep concern must be rooted throughout our hearts and actions must be in the image of his power and love. Let me say that one more time before I call for prayer. The deep concern must be rooted throughout our hearts and actions must be in the image of his love and power. Church, be concerned. Be concerned for the lost. Be concerned for the harvest. Be concerned for the presence of God in your life and in your church. Be concerned for the church. God spoke to me and said, this is going to be a Sunday. I want you to speak about my concern. And I felt my spirit, Father, why me, God? Why? And he said to my spirit, because I know that you'll preach and you'll obey me and you'll speak what I want you to say, not what men want you to say or want others to say. And I said, Father, I will do my best. And I stand you up right now before the Lord with me. And I say to you, let's do our best for the King of Kings and the Lord of glory. Our best is on the platform of a concern for the harvest. Let's leave the 99 to go get the one. Let's be on our front porch looking for our sons and daughters to come home. Let's call out names in prayer. The people that are dead in sin, that, that they would be brought forth in life by repenting and giving their heart to Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me right now as I pray for the lost, as I pray for the harvest, as I pray for God's presence to be in every church, in every heart, that we never replace God with a program or abilities or performance. He's irreplaceable. He is to be acknowledged. He is to be loved from the depths of our heart. And we are to show his image of love and power every day of our life. Pray with me now as I call for souls to be saved. 